everyone, welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined, as always, by Jonathan for Dugba. Hope everyone's really well, Jonathan. I hope you uh, you're doing fine. Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. I am good. And uh, the Euro's over. Life is sort of back to normal a little bit now, isn't it? And it's uh, it's time to crack on with the Nordic Football Podcast. We've had a bit of a break, really, the last sort of month or so, haven't we, for the Euros? Um, we've had a few episodes, but not our usual schedule. But now. The summer break is over. We're, we're ready to get back on it. And uh, what better way to get started with uh, some Champions League excitement, Steve? Yeah, and, you know, this is one of my favourite times of year, actually, uh, Jonathan. The, um, I sometimes prefer the European qualifying rounds to the actual group stages because it really matters so much to all the teams involved um, or well, 95% of the teams involved. Uh, it's You know, it's massive for them. And... Uh, you know, we've already started the the round the round of Champions League games. There's comp in conference games as well, and um, you know it's been a mixed start for the teams that we're we're in covering. But uh, yeah, I'm excited by it by the Champions League, the European rounds. I really want to see as many Scandinavian teams in the group stages as we possibly can. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, before we get into it, I suppose um, you know we're we're a day after the Euros. Just before we get into the show, we we've got Champions League to come. Then we will dip into the sort of um, the results from this week. We'll have a little look at fantasy and things like that. And uh, it's not going to be the longest episode this week. We also have a bonus episode potentially for you coming, which we'll talk about later in the week. But um, before we do get into it, Steve, just want to get your thoughts on the Euros. I mean, Italy, the champions, you know, in terms of the Nordic regions, Sweden obviously made it the further. No, Denmark, sorry, made it the furthest, of course, in fairness to them. Uh, made it all the way to the semifinals. And Sweden didn't do too badly either, got to the knockout rounds. What's the overall... Um, thoughts on the Euros? I mean, it's disappointment, I know, for both both of us, England falling at the final hurdle, but what was your overall kind of perspective on it? Did you enjoy it? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, obviously, I'm downbeat, uh, you know, as an England fan um, in, in the aftermath of it. I'm sure most of the listeners uh, rejoicing that England didn't win it because we're the most hated nation in Europe, aren't we? So, um, but, you know, in terms of the tournament, yes, I've uh, I've enjoyed the tournament. There's been some Great games. It's worked out better than I thought it would. Um, I think probably in the future it needs to be in one or two countries as a base, and it's better that way. But um, you know, yeah, and it's been good for the, the, the Scandinavian nations to do well. Shout out to Finland as well, who gave a very creditable account of themselves. Um, I think it's the whole thing. You know, I, I was I was dubious when they extended the Euros to more teams, but. It gives more teams a chance to qualify. Uh, it makes the qualifying more viable and exciting, and and gives them you know more hope. And then I think in the third place thing in the groups can be complicated, but again, it adds probably to the excitement and drama, doesn't it? So I think yeah, this this is a good tournament. I was like the I liked how the teams approached it. It was pretty attack minded. There weren't many really negative stuff like that. So yeah, I think it was a cracking tournament really. And you know, Italy. I think right from the first game looked good, didn't they? So, yeah, worthy champion. Yeah, 100%. I really enjoyed the tournament. And I think um, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't think it would be the best of tournaments. I thought that there was a lot of fatigue maybe after the COVID season and all that kind of thing. And, you know, you, you kind of think to yourself, well, will the players be up for it? You know, will they be exhausted? But I really thought that the level was really high. I think we owe the players kind of a round of applause. You know, they've really exerted their bodies, haven't they, over the last sort of 12 to 18 months with the backlog of games, playing with no fans, things like that. So I really thought they put on a great spectacle. It was a great tournament, you know, great final. Um, shame England in terms of the scenes at the end with, the, you know, fans rushing the stadium and all that kind of thing. But I guess that's, um, you know, not everything can go right. And like you said, some of the scheduling, things like that weren't wasn't maybe 100%. But all in all, I, I thought it was a fantastic tournament. You know, I think the average amount of goals was something in the 2.82 region, 2.89, something like that. Um, so, you know, it was a full of goals, the tournament, and um, all in all, you know, I don't know what you listeners thought, but uh, I thought the Nordic countries also gave themselves a very good account, of course, with Denmark, and um, we may be bringing you some more Denmark uh, in the coming weeks, so keep an eye on that. The new season starts this week, and we may have some news. Keep an eye on our Twitter, at NordicFootPod. We may have some news for you guys if you're into Denmark, but for this week, it is our usual repertoire, isn't it, Steve? It's Norway and Sweden, and Let's get into the Champions League. Then I mean, there's been a couple of games in our for our teams. We've got the champions of uh, of Norway, Budu Glimp, and we've got the champions of Sweden, Malmo FF. Uh, where, where do you want to start with this one, Steve? Because last week we had the first leg of games, and 
to the qualifiers. Yeah, well, I suppose we might as well start with the Buda Glimp match because it was a bit more exciting. But um, the final score, Buda Glimp 2, Lecce, Warsaw 3. And when this draw came out, we had quite a few sort of uh, Lecce fans tweeting at, at the NFP account or myself or you. And I think they were worried, you know, as far as they were concerned, it was just a real banana skin of a draw for them, a really tough draw. And they weren't that confident about themselves. And you know, heading into the game, the bookmakers' favourites for the first leg were Buda Glimp were about even money. So quite quite a strong favourite to win the game. And based on that, I mean, I didn't know, I don't know much about the Polish side. I didn't, I expected Buda Glimp to probably win the first leg. But you know what, the, the Polish outfit, they surprised me. They were quite good. They, de they deserved the win 3-2. And I think this was probably a good outcome for Budiglin. It could have been worse for them. They had this striker, uh, Mahia Emreli, who they signed recently from Karabakh. He, has a, he had a good goal-scoring record at Karabakh. He really impressed me, this Azerbaijani striker, um, Emreli. And uh, he, he really he took the game to Budiglin. He was the big difference between the two sides. Glimt, obviously, you know, they've got injuries at the minute. They're not as strong as they were. Had the same team that won the league last year been involved in this game, I think it might have been a different story, but they're not what they once were. Uh, the, the only good news for Buda Glimt is that away goals don't now count in, in Europe, do they? So, I mean, I, I think that's a great thing that UEFA have done, take the away goals out. They've, they've got themselves a chance in the second leg. Now they win 1-0, goes to extra time. So, they're not out of it, but... They were outplayed and, and, you know, they were second best in that first leg. And it did surprise me. I think the Polish side were a lot better than I expected. Yeah. And how did you find it with the, the fact that away goals have been scrapped? You know, did that, did that change the dynamics of the game, in your opinion? Well, Glimp, you know, their usual attacking selves. It sounds like it was obviously a very lively game scoring wise. Yeah, I think, I think, I think both teams. Um, I mean, it's, if you go 3-1 down in a, a European match when away goals are counting, I think you're almost feeling a bit demoralised. I feel like it's the second legs that where teams kind of lose it a bit with away goals. And so I think it's the second legs where we really will reap the benefits more. But um, I think the Legia Warsaw, it's like, you know, maybe some teams in the past would have tried to hold on to a 1-0, 2-0 away win. But yeah, they might as well go for more now. It's like away goals don't count. I think it's a good idea to, to change this rule. And uh, like I say, you know, if they were going into the match 3-2 down, they've got to win the game by two clear goals next in the second leg, Buda Glimwood, or three goals to two, which is unlikely, isn't it? But instead, they can win 2-1 or 1-0, it goes extra time. I think I think that's fair. And also, there's no chance if matches do go extra time that a team's going to have more home advantage, etc. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, it sounds interesting. I mean... Do you think that Glimp can, can turn it around in, in the next leg? Um, you know, what's the prospects there? I'm not someone that ever, I'm not going to underestimate this Buda Glimp side because they're well managed, they're well coached and, you know, they've got some good players. But injuries are racking up. Um, you know, Frederick andre Bjorkan came off in that match last week. I don't know whether he's going to play in the second leg on Wednesday. Um, that would be ambassador, probably the best player at the minute. So that'd be a big loss. You know, Yesil Knutsen is someone who learns very quickly. So he'll have some game plans in for Lecce Warsaw. And being only one goal down, they've got a chance. But I thought, I said, the Polish side played quite well, I thought. And if Budiglund commit themselves, then this striker in Rally is going to be very dangerous for them. And um, they look well drilled, Lecce. So uh, my answer would be no, I don't think they are going to turn it around, Budiglund. But I'm not foolish enough to write them off. It's uh, They're certainly far from dead. In this fixture year, even if they fall one nil down, it's not it's not all the be all the end all. You know, they could still grab a couple of goals. You know, yeah, fantastic stuff. And let's move on to uh, to Sweden, shall we? Yeah, and it was just a one nil win for Malmo against Riga. And uh, I was I was just saying off air to you, I saw someone uh, tip uh, an interesting betting tip for this game. It was Riga plus two on an Asian handicap, and uh, it was some very good reasoning. I think. They're a fully professional side from Latvia and uh, they're no mugs by all accounts. And, um, you know, only losing 1-0 and they had 10 men for the entire second half at Riga. And uh, they dug in there and, and stayed. I mean, Malmo probably come out of this match with you know, a lot of shots and um, I think they probably should have won. But, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, if 1-0 is not bad, is it? But you know, should they, do they think they'll have regrets going to the second leg, Jonathan? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the game was played at, at, at Malmo at home. Um, so it's a 1-0 one nil, one nil home win. Um, and yeah, I think Malmo probably may have some regrets. They, they, There's a sense that they're happy with it in the sense that they kept a clean sheet. Um, there's been a lot of talk this season. You know, they they failed to keep clean sheets consistently this season. Uh, I think they've it's in the I think in the competitive year they've kept like I think one or two clean sheets maximum, uh, which is not good enough for a team like Malmo really, um, with aspirations of winning the title and winning trophies. You know, you need a solid backline uh, in the league this season. They haven't kept a clean sheet until the most recent round against uh, Sirius, and obviously that was after the um, after the Riga game. So they've gone into the game having not kept a clean sheet all season. Very good if you like backing overs, you know, as, as I know maybe sometimes you do, Steve, in your, in your line of work. Uh, then a lot of three ones, two ones, three twos, three ones, things like that in, in Malmo's games this season domestically. So there was a real sense that they wanted to keep a clean sheet. To be honest, it was probably fairly easy to do so. If, if you look at the stats from this game, Riga were very defensive, five sort of five, five at the back. Uh, they had one shot, not one shot on target. Um, if you look at the man, number of in possession, for example, they had twenty-two percent possession, seventy-seven percent uh, possession for for Malmo. Um, but the reason, really, for it, of course, was was a red card that that did change a lot of the game. Um, and so, you know, Malmo from then, I mean, you like you said that this Riga side are no mugs. They're kind of they they do have a little bit of a history. Um, reports that I've seen, kind of just building up to the game and stuff, talked about they do have some decent finances, things like that. And um, you know, they 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 maybe it could have been considered a little bit of a dark horse in a way. Um, but obviously, Mama would have expected to win. I think I think the fact they had their fans, I mean, Arnel, I'm a hot switch. I think it's the first time he's played in front of fans for a very long time for Mama. Um, for example, he commented after the game, he said it was unbelievable. You know, he said he was smiling the whole game because the fans were singing his name and that kind of thing. So it really did, um, you know, it was a really good feel, good factor. I think there was about 4,000 fans in the stadium. You know, fans are now back in, in in Sweden, which we'll talk about as we as we come back to the um when we come to the Svenskan, uh, latest. But yeah, um, all in all, it was a a decent result, and uh, as we said, you know, it's a really big change, isn't it, to European football this season with no away goals. You, you'd think a one 0 win, you can go away from home, get maybe an away goal, and you're fine. But it's not the case now, is it? So I certainly don't think the Latvian side will sort of come out flying and be all guns blazing. I think they'll still be quite defensive, but I think they'll look for set pieces um, as a threat and sort of try and maybe catch Malmo out in some way. So I think Malmo will have to be a little bit cautious, but they should feel like, you know, if they're solid, they should be able to maybe get the job done. I'm just looking at the draw here. If this is even legitimate, this is on flash score. I think the winner of the Malmo tie would face the winner of HJK Helsinki or Budkanos. HJK Helsinki with a 3-1 first leg win against the Montenegrin outfit, I do believe they are. Um, so we could get a bit of a sort of shade of Royal League there um, if it was Malmo against HJK. Incidentally, the winner of the Buda Glimt Lecce game, I think, faces either Flora from Estonia or Hibernians uh, from Malta. So, you know, there's a nice sort of dangling carrot for both sides if they can make it through the next round, really. Um, and just a shout-out also to the Icelandic side of Valur, who faced Dan, Dino Zagreb, who pretty fearsome outfit. And Dino Zagreb went 3-0 up in this game, right? 72 minutes. And then they missed a penalty to make it 4-0. And then Valer missed a penalty and then scored two goals in the last two minutes. <laughs> so it ended Dan, Dino Zagreb 3, Valer 2. And, um, you know, they're not dead. They're not gone, are they, that, that tie Valer? So... I think it was a very, uh, it was a creditable showing for all the Scandinavian teams in this round, and it's all to play for in second legs. Yeah, funnily enough, you talked about um, you know Helsinki and maybe potential sort of Royal League uh, connotations and things like that. Funnily enough, the, the most dangerous player for Riga you know, was a Finnish winger by the name of Mikael Soisalo. He he was the one player, twenty-three-year-old um, winger. He was the one who sort of got in behind a few times. He's the only one really. I'll be honest, that looked like really threatening Malmo. Uh, he's played in Belgium in the past, uh, who hasn't? Um, also was at Middlesbrough for <laughs> uh, And I think he's played at Ilves as well. I think he was a HJK. I think he's under 19 side, according to uh, transfer marks back in 2012. So he, he there, there, there's an extra finish link there in that sense. So, um, you know, I think he'll be the one they may look to to try and open the door. But uh, yeah, all things considered, 
Um, Malmo could be pretty satisfied. It, it, interestingly enough, they've got a player who I did mention in, in pre-season um, on, the, on the pod, uh, Sebastian Nanasi. He started to come into uh, more game time now for, for Malmo. He's, um, he's a 19-year-old. And he's he's looked quite lively in recent matches. You know, he's, he, against Sirius as well, he was quite um, he had quite a good game. And uh, yeah, he he's a one who who may sort of show a bit of liveliness, a bit of versatility in in the attack for for Malmo. Also, Berman Savic, we've talked about him before uh, on the pod, but he's um, he came on. So uh, you know, um, uh, sorry, he uh, yeah, he's been criticised basically a couple of times in the last few weeks. And so he's been in and out of the team, but he, he's shown glimpses that he can he can make a difference. And so he'll he'll be wanting to impress Yondal Thomason because there's been a bit of a there's been a bit of an imbalance in Malmo's team in, in this season. I think to be honest, they haven't really quite got the balance right between attack and defence. And so a lot of those sort of players are, are playing for their places in the team. So um, Nanasi's come in, 19 years old. Keep an eye out for him if you're watching the game. Uh, he should be definitely one to keep an eye on. So uh, yeah, I think I think Malmo should have enough. I think they'd be very disappointed if they were to throw it away from, from now. Um, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, best of luck to all of the teams in the second leg of the Champions League. And, uh, of course, anyone in the conference playoffs as well. A lot of Faroe Island teams are involved there, some Icelandic teams as well. Um, next week, we'll talk a bit more about the um, some of the juicier ties in the upcoming conference uh, league as well. We've got, like, Hecken against Aberdeen, for example, things like that. But um, I suppose let's go to the Arsvenskan now, Jonathan, because it has returned after its uh, Euro break and um, had a couple of rounds. And, uh, I mean, what have you made of it so far since its return? Yeah, it's been good to be back. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot to do my fantasy team, so haven't checked the league. I'm a little bit concerned about how my team's done because there's a couple of players who, who've been flying. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I don't have them in my team. You know, we're talking about Malmo here. Antonio Kolak's been on, on fire uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, he bagged one against Sirius. They battered Sirius uh, 4-0. Um, even also in the game against No Shopping, they lost that game 3-2 um, beginning of July, And he, but he still scored two goals. So Kolak's started to come good now. Um, you might remember, Steve, in pre-season, we talked about him, and I, I mentioned how he had said he, he's going to outshine uh, Marek Hamzik. Well, I think you could argue he's done that already. Um, case closed because uh, although it was quite big talk at the time, uh, Marek Hamzik's nowhere to be seen now. He's moved off to Turkey. So um, Kolak's definitely outscored him, that's for sure. So fair play to him. You know, he called it and, and uh, you know, he was Billy Big Balls and he, and he sort of proved himself right in, to a certain extent. He started to come good. He's looking quite lively. Um, yeah, there's been a few interesting rounds. Uh, I think Northropping beating Malmo was quite a big shock. It was a game with fans. It was really exciting. It was it was the first game back, and it was a yeah really nice sort of match to, to sort of kick things off with fans. Uh, I think we're we're sort of capped at a certain percentage of the either three thousand or a certain percentage of, uh, of of the audience can can watch games. So there's been so, so certain discrepancies between the, the attendances. It's not like a fixed limit necessarily, um, <clears throat> but there's been some lively games. Bickel Hacken, uh, who we will talk about in a minute, I guess. Yeah, I watched the game this evening against Kalmar. Uh, they've p- picked up back to back wins um, since the break. Um, so, you know, their new manager, things are sort of starting to slowly turn around there. They picked up a very creditable 2-1 win against AIK last week, and then they've now followed that up with a, a really good, solid sort of 3-2 two, uh, away win at Kalmar. Um, really played a sort of a fierce counter-attacking game, and, um, and, and, and that sort of paid off. So, yeah, it's been, been quite lively. I mean, uh, I think the other probably, if we were naming one other game, I was just picking them out at random, uh, Hammerby with their new manager battered Degafors 5-1. Um, so that was a really, you know, a really lively game. Um, so, yeah, it's back. It's been nice to see see games and fans back. I think fans back has been massive, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, there was about 12,000 at the AIK Varber game just this weekend, just gone. Uh, and it just really adds to the to the atmosphere. So, um, yeah, it's been nice to be back. We're just getting into the swing of things now, of course. And, uh, and gradually, now the Euros are out of the way, we can kind of really focus on it, can't we? Yeah, let's just talk about this uh, Kalmar Hecken game that you had uh, you had a close eye on. And Hecken, they still don't have the the phrase "clean sheet" in their armoury for this season. But uh, yeah, they've won three games in a row now against the Kalmar side. They've been doing quite well this year, and um, yeah, that's an important win. Hecken now into the sort of the mid-table vicinity and uh, a bit more comfort, and finally starting to to click, and, and the goals have come for them. 
Yeah, it was a it was a really good game. Uh, a, a very classic game in terms of counter attack versus uh, possession. You know, Kalmar were the team sort of trying to play the football, and, and I mean, I'm not saying Mount Hacken weren't playing football. They they actually played some nice stuff to be honest. But we know what Hacken are like. They're very direct side. They're very kind of um, in your face, uh, and they went for the counter attacking game, and it, and it kind of paid off. You know, they hit them on the counter a few times. Uh, Patrick Wallermark uh, scored a, a really quite lovely counter attacking goal. Um, you know, to, to win the game, basically. So, um, yeah, it was a uh, end-to-end. You know, there's chances at both ends. It was definitely a game where you knew it was going to be goals. Uh, just from the flow of the match, there was about 2,800 fans in the stadium, Kalmar fans. Um, M- Martin Olsen, um, you might remember him formerly, uh, former Premier League player. He um, he scored, he opened the scoring with a left-footed free kick. It was a low free kick into the bottom corner. Uh, very nicely taken, and then uh Kalmar equalized with a lovely golf by the way from uh, Oliver Berg it was a nice little build-up play uh Ali Youssef who started to look quite good for Hacken you know he's coming into the team more and more now the youngster uh he scored and then then it was back up the other end and Kalmar scored with a sort of from a set piece uh stem up flicked it flicked in a shot uh directed at home from a header and then and then obviously we had the counter-attacking goal from from Wallamark to win win the match Henry Reestrom came out after the game and he was very um He's quite a spiky character, Henry Reeves. He's an interesting one. Um, you know, he's a he's a quite a funny. He's one of those managers that you know, you know, you kind of um, how can I put this? You know, he, he's not afraid to have his have his opinion. And uh, you know, some managers that prefer to sort of keep quiet, but he, he certainly has his opinions. And he came out and said we battered them. Um, you know, he said if we played ten matches like this, we would win nine and a half. So uh, yeah, he, he clearly gave made his feelings clear in terms of who who was the better side. Um, he said, this is how football can be. We completely dominated. We did everything, but sometimes you can still lose. And he said he was very happy with his team. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't think Hacken are going to care really who who thinks they should win, who thinks they should lose, because they, they need points on the board. It's been a nightmare season for them. Uh, you know, we talked about before the break, they were bottom of the table. But uh, they've now just started to pick things up. Three straight wins. Uh, they, you know, they beat Varberg just for the break. Obviously, that, that helped lift them up the table a little, little bit. Then they've now, that was in May, obviously, then they've beaten AIK, uh, and now they've beaten uh, Hacken, uh, sorry, Kalmar away. So the new manager is, is having a little bit of an effect, it looks like. And, uh, you know, they're up to 10th now, level on points with the F-Core, just behind one, one, one goal difference. But uh, they can certainly start to look up the table now rather than down, because it really did look like a bit of a worrying season ahead for them, isn't it? I mean, if you look up the table, Steve, they're only seven points off third, so... With a game in hand, so maybe can they get back to where they might be expected, which was maybe you know, minimum top five. You never know. So um, yeah, things are starting to just slowly look up for for uh, for Hacken, and I think it was really important they got this win because uh, Kalmar played some good stuff, and I think Beeston was right in his assessment in the sense of like they did try and play football, they do play some nice stuff. Kalmar, I really like what they're doing this season. They're currently eighth, um, eleven goals scored, eleven goals conceded. They're a little bit they're a little bit um, leaky at the back, I think. You know they're not they're not that kind of ruthless team. Then it played out today. You know, in the sort of game they could have easily won it maybe, but it, it didn't go their way, <clears throat> and they got hit on the break quite naively a couple of times. So um, yeah, they, they got a few things to work on, Kalma. But I, I can understand why Reedstrom felt that they they um they deserved maybe more from the game. A player that's impressed me this season for Kalma is Oliver Berg. Now this player I've seen him in the Elite Serum before, uh, quite a few years ago now probably five years back, I think, he was odd. And honestly, he was one of those who just never, never did anything. I was never that impressed with him at all. Um, yeah, I think back then, to be fair, he, you know, he wasn't playing up front or anything, but uh, you never had him down as a goal scorer. And I'm just looking at his history now. Even at Sundsvall, uh, the last time he was in the Arsvenskan, one goal in 23 games. Goes down to Super and bags nine in 30. Comes to Kalmar this season, he just... It was like he's been on fire. Whenever I've watched him, he's had a massive influence in games. He's 27 years old. So it's like, where's this suddenly come from? But Oliver Berg, tell us about his strength. Yeah, he took his goal really well. It was a lovely, lovely effort. Um, he's a strange player, really, Berg. Yeah, like you say, he's, he seems to sort of... I always think he's not younger than he is because he seems to have sort of be quite new on the scene. But <clears throat> like you say, he kind of... One of them, he, he just floated around for quite a long time and you, you, you kind of feel to yourself like he's been there forever to a certain extent. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think he, he's he been doing well this season. He, he does have ability. I think it's never really been quite realised. 
think he's had a kind of um, positional shift this season. Um, <clears throat> he's played a little bit more advanced role this season. I, I have him down as a sort of secondary A mid. And um, traditionally, I kind of thought he's a bit more of a natural central midfielder. But he has been getting into advanced positions this season, and, and that showed in the goal. Um, this evening, he played a lovely one-two, uh, ran onto it and sort of first-time finish. I think it might have taken a slight deflection. But, uh, yeah, he, he's certainly he's certainly been an impressive impressive form, hasn't he? The, uh, yeah, he's, every time I've watched them, he's, he just looks like he's influencing games. He... Uh, he looks really good technically. I'm like, it's a shadow of the player I once saw. And I don't get it. Like, usually when you get to this sort of age, you either got it or you haven't, right? And I don't, we've never really seen enough from him. So, fair play. He's obviously maybe one of these peaking late in his career. Uh, you know, he turns 28. Um, but yeah, he's got the same he's got the same, same birthday as mine, actually. It's a love of birth. Ironic stat. But, um, you know, fair play to him. He's, um, he's doing really well. And uh, he certainly helped Kalmar this season. But, you know, Karma sort of in this position of being becoming inconsistent again, aren't they? When we, when we kind of they often tease us, don't they, uh, with some good performances, and then it's. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Berg is, I mean, he he like you said, he he played ninety odd games for odd, um, and then when he went to some players, you know, they they dip down a level and they kind of find their level, and then they get the confidence, don't they? You know, last season for Gif Sunsol, he played thirty games, nine goals, six mm. and really. He's just taken that form on, you know, Kalmar picked him up. I think it's a smart signing, you know, they got him on the back of that good form. They played him now uh, and he's got 10, you know, 10 appearances, four goals, three assists, which for Svenskan level is kind of like, you know, as good as as good as good he's ever, ever done, to be honest. You know, he had a spell at Dalkurd, but um, never really been prominent figure in Svenskan. But this season he started to just look a bit more solid. And um, yeah, I think he's just getting older with a bit of experience. And, and uh, you know, he didn't start the season in the team, for example. Reestrom had him on the bench for the first uh, for the first game of the season, for example. But he came on because of an injury to Jonathan Ring. And since then, he's just kind of um, really kind of started to establish himself and, and, and make that position his own. So, yeah, he's, um, he's had a good influence. But I think this game, Patrick Wallamart was the man. He was the one who got the winning goal. And he's an exciting player. And, and one other player I just wanted to talk about before we move on from Hacken. Uh, Gustav Berggren, I think he's um, he's really he's a player I remember when uh, when I was out in, in Gothenburg. He never really I liked him, but I never I never thought he was going to be a player who had a massive career. If that makes sense, you know, I thought he was just a decent, solid midfielder, but he wasn't someone I thought, oh, he's going to he'll definitely go on. He's taken a bit of time, I think, to sort of grow and mature. He's he's sort of twenty three, twenty four now, uh, sort of a central midfielder, good good feet. And there's a lot of rumours at the moment, basically, Steve. The reason I'm mentioning this, he got two assists this evening. And, and there's a lot of rumours that he's going to be off to Germany. Uh, Darmstadt has reported he had a bid turned down. So we may not be seeing Gustav Berger much in the league for much longer. But, you know, he's um, he's really started to mature in a good way. There was other players mentioned in the, at the beginning of the season to look out for, the likes of Wallemark, the likes of Tobias Heinz, the likes of Benny Traore. But really, Berger has been a really consistent, solid player in that midfield, at the base of that midfield for, for Berger, a bit like Rice and Phillips. He kind of just sits there with Freeberg, um, and those two kind of like just sit in that midfield. And Bergen's more of a distributor, and uh, yeah, he's he's attracted attention from Germany now. So we might not see him for too much longer in in Sweden. He's been very good. Trouble has just hit me here. My cat has come up to basically try and distract me, and we know he has a history in these podcasts, Jonathan, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> causing corruptions. So. Yeah, he's coming to say hello. But uh, whilst you're watching, that's out of the bag. <laughs> whilst you're watching this game, I actually had my eye on the other match, uh, Halmstead against Jorgarn. Um, the main reason is because I captained Wittery, and I was basically just hoping they'd keep the clean sheet. Jorgarn. It ended nil nil. And um, do you know what? It reminded me of how difficult four four two can be to play against sometimes as defensive, and. Um, Jorgarn just couldn't find a way to really break Halmstad down. They were very, very poor, actually. In fact, they even gave up gave up fifty seven percent of the ball in the first half to Halmstad. So um, yeah, this was a match which deserved to end a draw, and uh, Jorgarn needed a bit more, a bit more of a creative spark and a plan B and a plan C in this game. Um, but not, if they can get find a way to get themselves some goals, they could win this title. I think because they they look rock solid defensively. It's just um, the lack of goals sometimes for for your garden. Yeah, they've they've got the best defensive record in the league. Only six conceded in ten games. 
they're two points behind Malmo with a game in hand. So, you know, they're definitely in this title race. They definitely, like you say, uh, they're a solid customer. You know, they're not going to give many goals away. There's been a little bit of fan discontent in, in recent weeks about exactly what you just said there. Um, just that lack of kind of maybe cutting edge at times. Um, they're not they're not bad, but in recent weeks, you know, three of the last four games have been draws in, in those fence game. Um, and two of them have been scoreless. You know, they failed to score against the EF Core just before the break. Um, obviously, they battered Orobro fairly comfortably. Orobro, you know, quite a poor team, in my opinion, this season. Um, but then again, Halfstad, they failed to break them down. So, yeah, they, they, they are, you know, you can also look back a bit further, losing to Degafors. So they're kind of dropping points at teams that you, you kind of expect them to win. And then they beat teams that you, you think would be a bit more even. You know, they, they beat Malmo, they, they, they beat North Shopping, they beat Elsborg away, which is no easy place to go to at recent times. So they're a bit of a strange team, Jürgen. I definitely agree with you. I think they can challenge and potentially even win the league if they can sort that out, um, gets a few more goals. But there's been a bit of a, you know, manager's been criticised as players he's leaving on the bench, for example, that fans feel that should be starting, that kind of thing, in offensive areas. Um, so it's sort of team selection he's being criticised for. Uh, a little bit like Southgate, maybe you could say, in that sense, he's got a lot of attacking options that he's maybe not utilising. Um, but, uh, no, you, you know with Jürgen, they're going to be solid. The only concern, I mean, you, you, like you say, Captain Witchery and a lot of, I know a lot of listeners will, will have Witchery in their fantasy team. I don't think I do, actually, but uh, Witchery may be off in this summer. There's been a lot of rumours about him, and uh, I'll be shocked if he's there past this summer because he, he is, in my opinion, he's probably pound for pound the best player in all Spence but it's, it's a game plan. You can clearly see uh, the Orgarn game plan is Pat, give the ball to Witchery. He gets in some great positions and he puts in some fantastic crosses, to be fair to him, and sometimes in, in scoring positions as well. But Halmstad, what they did, they positioned themselves so well in the box that, you know, what's, you can put as good a cross as you want in. If they're, if they're defending the crosses well, you're not going to get any joy. And uh, I mean, Halmstad are one of the most boring sides to watch in terms of goals, lowest average goals per game. In the league, 1.7. Eight out of ten games have ended under two and a half goals. You know, you're not going to be um, getting too much entertainment out of Hamstad, but it's their clear clear strategy to, you know, that, that's how they see themselves to survive this season, to grind out every single point. And, and that 4-4-2 system, like I said, can be pretty difficult to, to, to break down, you know? Yeah, you're spot on. And, you know, three of the last four games have been draws. And I think the thing that you identified there, Steve, that they will not care. If they survive in this league from draws, they'll, they'll take it all day long. And um, what, what I've liked about the Osvenskan this season so far, uh, especially before the break, obviously, you know, we're getting back into it now. But what I've really enjoyed is they, these tactical battles because you get sort of 4-4-2, you know, Atletico Madrid-style teams now. And then you've also got, which is traditional really for Sweden, isn't it? That's how they played at the Euros. That's how they traditionally have played. Uh, quite historically for quite a number of years but then you get these fluid teams playing sort of five three twos and three four threes and things like that and every week we seem to have a sort of a formational clash do you know what i mean uh you had kalmar today playing a kind of a trying to play that three four three type system versus uh hacken's more sort of direct four two three one counter so you got different challenges when you go to different places and Halmstad they know what they want to be they want to be two ranks of four they want to be as solid mm. as possible they have played a five at times, but you know, in games to try and be even more solid defensively. But as you said there, Steve, they just they just want to rack up as many points as they can to, to get survival. And uh, so far, they're not doing too too bad a job of it. What one team I do want to touch on before we maybe wrap up this section, though? I mean, Sirius are in a bit of a nightmare, uh, and also Ostersons are, are kind of dipping down the league at this moment in time. There's, those are two teams who are, you know, when you look at Halmstad twelfth. They're not doing so badly, five draws, just three defeats. But, you know, they don't score many, they don't concede many. But you look at Ostersons and you look at Sirius and the amount of goals they concede, Steve, you do start to worry about those guys um, maybe potentially looking to a relegation battle, especially with Hacken now climbing up the league. Yeah, I think, I mean, I look at some of the, I mean, some standout results over the last couple of weeks. They say a win for Mikel Stara there uh, for IFK away at Ostersons, three goals to two. Uh, 5-1 win for Hammerby against Degafor. I think we touched on that, didn't we? And, um, you know, like you say, serious a 4-0 loss to, to Malmo, but they did win the previous week against Mialbi. It seems we're getting to that stage now where, you know, the the shit is starting to sink down to the bottom of the Alsvenskan. And we have known years, sadly, where the, the bottom end of the table is, is a really poor standard. And um, there may be some worrying signs. Some teams are starting to get sucked into that sort of uh, category 
again um and you, you, there's probably you could probably fear for a, a few a few outfits down there but yeah win for Mikel star that's big for, for ifk um yeah they were a side needing a win yeah very big win <clears throat> i won't i won't lie i didn't see this game so i can't really comment on it too much um but you know you don't need to be a genius to figure out that they they couldn't afford to lose to ostersons away um and, and they've racked up the points. I think I haven't really been able to. I think maybe in the late, maybe next week, I could look a bit more at EFCOR in terms of what are they doing differently to, um, to you know, with the new manager. Uh, Ericsson, Sig Torsen, and Robin Soda got the goals to be a sign. I've got two assists. Um, Alisson Yusuf, who's very strongly linked with a move to, to Belgium, um, he, he got an assist as well. Uh, yeah, Ossesson's gave a good fight of it. Juno Baptiste goal and an assist, which is quite surprising. He's been, you know, I've never really um i've expected I've, I've wanted more from him let's put it that way but uh the problem they've got at the moment is blair, blair turgus at the gold cup steve now i don't know if you follow the gold cup i know some people do in that part of the world um you know it's kind of like the uh, Concacaf equivalent of the euros uh, and he's off playing for jamaica and he he's their he's their main man you know he he's a massive uh important figure in their team uh Ostersons and with the transfer embargo and the, the ban till 2022 they just they can't afford to have players like him not being available they've also had a couple of players announced this week that they're either going to see out their contracts or they're leaving um so you know the squad's just getting thinner and thinner uh, and now they're sort of they're in that 14th place aren't they they're in that relegation playoff spot now 14 goals scored 14 goals conceded but really without a player like target it's a, it's a massive um it's a massive problem to overcome they've got some games coming up where you can say you know, I wouldn't really probably expect them to beat EF Core. Maybe they could say they could get a point. But when you look at it, Steve, after a de pretty decent start where they where they got, you know, that battered Orebro 5-0 and got two draws, drew at Malmo, they then lost four straight. They then beat Sirius 3-0 and they've now lost two straight again. Uh, and the next couple of games, they got Elfsburg away, Halmstad at home and Hammerby at home. And I think those three games are really important. They can't afford to lose all three of them, really. That they need to start getting a couple of points on the board. So, um, yeah, I think, like you've just said, the Ossesons are starting to sink, really. And I think Sirius, what worry, what would worry me about them is the fact that they go to someone like Ossesons and lose 3-0. Um, you know, losing them out 4-0 at Malmo, fine. You can kind of excuse that. They're the champions there. They're probably the, arguably the best team in the league. But when you're losing 3-0 at Ossesons, uh, Steve, there's some signs there. Sirius got a lot of player turnover in the last year or so. And it's just, I'm just wondering, have they have they really found the right team, the right, you know, Halmstad, you know what you're going to get, don't you? But seriously, yeah. I'm just wondering, does, does the new manager actually know his best team and that kind of thing? So, um, you know, you look at the next game, you're guarding away, probably write that one off. Uh, and then they've got Degafors and Orebro at home. So I think that Orebro game, for example, they, they're going to need to just reassert themselves uh, in the next few weeks and, and just get back on track. Yeah, I mean, Oro, they, they seem to be worse since Axel Kjarls uh, left them. I mean, this, let's just read out the table at the bottom there. Oro, these are all played 10 games. Oro, seven points. Varborg and Ossesson's on eight. Mialbi, another team who haven't won in a long time, on 10. Halmstad on 11 points, aided by five out of 10 draws. Sirius up to 12 points. Uh, Hecken now to 12. IFK on 12 as well. So, that's that's the bottom um, section of the table, and just for those interested, at the top: Malmo on twenty-three points, Jorgan twenty-one, Elsborg nineteen. Um, Jorgan have played a game less over those two. Norshipping seventeen points, along with AIK. So, yeah, as I say, there's teams down the bottom. You do fear for them. I mean, we're gonna a lot's gonna be. Uh, we're only at the only a third way through the season. We're not even at the halfway stage yet, but um, plenty of action. You know, in the next few weeks in Alsvenskan, we're looking forward to all of it and. Uh, I think there's going to be some obviously some big stories at both ends of the table developing uh, very quickly. Yeah, and the key as well, uh, don't forget, there's going to be um, there's going to be well the transfer window. So you know we can expect to see, so Sirius, for example, they've just signed a player called um, Mustafa Zidane. It's not the Zidane that you might be thinking <laughs> of, um, but he was a he was a youth player at Aston Villa. But uh, yeah, he's, I think he's quite on Zinedine's level. But yeah, there's going to be players sort of coming in now, players leaving. So this next month or so is really, it's always a way, isn't it, Steve? This is why we enjoy this league. The, the summer months, now we've got the Euros out of the way. This is when the meat of the season really comes in. You get you get this next three, four weeks, everything starts to settle down. Players start to move on, players start to come in. And that's when we really will know 
you know, will, will Malo be in the Champions League, for example? Will 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 Sirius pick up some players to help them rebound? What are Oribe going to do? You know, they've been linked with a few players. They're going to need some players, really, because as you've just said, there they are looking like they're sinking. So um, yeah, the next few weeks are going to be really exciting, and we'll be bringing you all the action as always on the Nordic Football Podcast. But I think that's probably it for part one. Would you say, Steve? Yeah, that's it. I think um, you know, uh, join us after the break, and we'll be talking a bit of Norway stuff. So uh, yeah, stay with us. And uh, we'll see you in a little bit. Welcome to part two of this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We are uh, very close to a milestone, aren't we, Steve? A landmark milestone in this show. Uh, coming up to our 100th episode and uh, in the next few weeks we might have a few special guests for you to talk about that because uh yeah we we are hitting some form but uh before we get into that steve norway talk to me about norway because there's been another round this week the league is looking interesting and i saw a tweet from you where you basically said the league is done and dusted Molder are champions and the league is toast now i don't know if you still feel that way um, I saw, I saw it. I'm not going to lie, and I just want to start there really because they are five points clear at the moment. After 13 games played, all three of the top three teams have played 13, and uh, we've got a quite healthy lead for Molde. Haven't we? Five points clear of Budapest, who have lost three games this season, which is probably a bit of a surprise considering how good they were last year. Um, what's your? Let's start with the title race, Steve. What's your perspective on it? What were the results this weekend, and 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 how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I still think it's done, but there's some weird, weird, random shit going on in this league at the moment. I think it's difficult. It's unusual. I don't know whether it's because it's these um, the amount of games that teams have played. You know, some have played 13, some have played 10, 11, 12, whatever. Um, but there's not many teams that seem to be able to get any consistency going at the moment. Mulder are one of the, the few that have. They won five in a row. And then they randomly lost... One little way to Sarpsborg, um, which just came out of the blue completely, nowhere. There was no sign of it at all. And then, bam, it hit there. Buda Glimt have, have gone off form, I think, possibly due to, due to injuries, this big target on their back. They're five points behind Mulder, and they've played the same amount of games, but it really feels like Mulder are the team going in, in, in the right direction and Buda Glimt are not. But, you know, there'd, always, there'd be a chance for someone behind to take advantage. But for Lorenga, keep, just as they did last season, they've drawn too many games. And draws, ultimately, are probably not going to get be, be enough for you this year because Mulder, um, you know, they are winning a lot of games. But uh, it's, it's weird stuff. Roosevelt got a really poor run. You know, you've got teams like Lillestrom. If they won their three games in hand, Lillestrom would only be three points behind Mulder. I mean, yeah, I don't know for one minute saying Lillestrom are a title contender or anything, but once these games in hand are done, I think we can start to look at the league table a bit more um, you know, clearly. But uh, I think there's some weird stuff going on in, in Norway right now. I don't know whether it's because they've been playing through the Euros or whatnot, but uh, yeah, I think um, there's a break coming up soon, a couple of two, three weeks, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I mean, when you say you're looking forward to it, is that because games are quite unpredictable for you? Or is it yeah. quite... Yeah, I've not felt so um, struggling to, to predict games in North for quite some time, actually. There's um, teams that are normally reliable in, in certain situations that have suddenly become unreliable. There seems to be a, a ridiculous amount of draws around the middle, especially one-all draws um, knocking around, which is... It's not usually a draw league, this one. You know, the last... Uh, four round, last three rounds there's been 10 draws which is that's a high number of draws for Norway it's usually a, not a very high draw league like I say it's either you win or you lose um, so um, yeah there's not enough there's not many teams that you can really be consistently relying upon I mean, it seems to be very random amounts of results and um, yeah it's it's very strange strange goings on Um you know, the only thing consistent at the minute is Brand can't win games and Starbeck can't win games. So apart from that, then everyone's sort of doing a bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, they're the bottom two teams in the league at this moment in time, Brand and Starbeck. We talked about Brand on the last show. 
Um, so anyone wants to listen to that could maybe maybe go back. We we did a bit of talk about them. Um, Steve, there's been an update in terms of Rosenborg, hasn't there? Because we talked about their manager uh, and the, the problems around his comments, um, slightly controversial comments. It's been an update, hasn't there, since the last pod? There has, yeah. He um, he, I got to read. It will retire at the end of the season. He will not renew his contract to Rosenborg again. You know, looking for a new coach. Um, I feel like it's been said a lot in the last few years. I think things have settled down since the, the announcement was made a little bit. They've um, yeah, they played pretty well against Odd and only conceded a late goal. They beat Christiansen 1-0, which is a pretty good win at the minute. They're, um, I think, struggling to find the right 11, the right blend of the starting 11 at the moment. Um, but um, yeah, I think things are looking a little bit better for Rosenborg, but no, they're nowhere near the level they want to be at. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they once again, you know, they're going to be looking in and then they need to, you know, there were strong links with them going in for Getil Knudsen at Buda Glimt. I think that's the manager they want, and who would blame them? But I think Knudsen would rather either stay at Buda Glimt or uh, move somewhere out of the country, um, you know, to, to better pastures as such. Yeah, and on the subject of uh, managerial changes, there has been quite a few developments, hasn't there, in Norway in recent weeks? I mean, Starbeck, I mean, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, uh, a certain friend of the pod who um who has come back home hasn't he to, to a new sort of a new role we, we sort of you know he was a very interesting guest wasn't it do you want to t- t- tell the listeners who may not have heard that episode uh, who i'm talking about and what's happened yeah i mean pre-season we got in um starbeck assistant coach eric shona a very young manager who was a grower for a few years he has been named the new starbeck coach starbeck effectively sacked Jana jonsson mutual agreement whatever you want to call it and um they announced that uh, after the that that happened that they will be thinking about the decision for the next coach over the next few days and Jonsson actually come out in an interview and he said i will eat my feet if the new manager announced is not eric shona almost a bit of a, not a dig but it was like i feel like there's there's a bit of turmoil between the, sort of the young and the old at starbeck it's like Johnson's almost envious that, you know, they're giving the job to this young 30 year old and he almost feels, you know, he's double his, his age. He's, he's like, you know, he almost feels annoyed that they're kind of dismissing the experienced coaches in, in Norway. And he even went on to praise some of the older managers who've been doing well this year in, in the top two leagues. So I think Johnson was a little bit frustrated that it went that like it did at Starbeck. I don't think he felt he had the backing of the board. Um, you know, he wanted, he said he wanted a striker for the last year or two. And they haven't been able to give him one so it's like you know i clearly think that um you know they they, they want they prefer Scherner on board who's this uh, modern manager and who will you know understand the board's needs maybe a little bit more than Jonsson. Jonsson, you can't deny his uh, his pedigree in the past but um you know he, i think he probably wanted to win more he wanted more resources and he weren't getting them where he, where he wanted it yeah, and the other thing, I mean, Scherner, we called it on the pod, didn't we? I think he, I think you said he, you could see him at Starbuck in the future, didn't you? And it was mm. a really fascinating interview. You could tell he was someone who is a young coach, isn't he? One of the youngest in the league, I think, in, in Norway in general. Um, there was a sense, wasn't there, that he he would probably get a top job, wasn't there? Definitely was a <clears> sense, but yeah, because he's he's this he's this great. Um, it, it was a very good interview, you know, no doubt about it. He, he came across very well. I'm really intrigued to see how he sorts out this mess at Starbuck because it's become a mess. I was thinking, what can he do to to get this team firing? Because there's nothing about them this year that's been positive for me. I look at teams sometimes with bad results and they've either been unlucky or you can see... Often you look at a team that's struggling and you say, I know exactly what he's doing wrong here. This is what I would do if I was in charge. I look at Starbuck and I'm like, I'm not actually sure what I would do. And, and this is why I'm intrigued to see what Eric Shona does because... I just think a lot of the players are not playing well. It's not members that they lack quality. It's just that no one's really played well this year for them, in, in, apart from perhaps a couple. And uh, he needs to get them out of this funk and performing uh, better. Forget tactics, forget, you know, transfers and stuff for now. He's got to get this bunch of players uh, playing at a better level because we know they, they've got it in them. Yeah, and for anyone anyone who hasn't heard that uh, episode, if you want to go back and listen to it, and I, I definitely recommend it. It was a really um, insightful episode. I thought really insightful uh, interview. Uh, check it out on our, on, you know, in our archives. Go to Twitter and Nordic Footpod if you want to get our archives or subscribe. 
uh, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you, you get your podcast from. And um, it was a it was a recent episode, wasn't it, Steve? So uh, should be easy to find. Um, but yeah, what <clears throat> just shortly, <clears throat> just briefly, Steve. Do you think they'll? Do you think he can do the job? Do you think they're only four points off fourteenth, uh, and they're four points off safety as well, thirteenth? Um, do you think he can do it in such a such a new role for him? Do you think they can get out of it? Yeah, for those interested in that interview, it was season five, episode number seven, entitled Super League in Sweden, plus Alex Shona exclusive interview. So check back for that one. Do I think, I, I don't know. It's just, there's a long way to go. I'm sure he maybe will want to bring in some, some players of himself. I think he's going to have plenty of ideas. I'll, I'll say that he's not a man that's going to lack ideas. And one thing I remember from that interview is like, I don't have one set style. He says he's going to adapt. To different teams to different matches so i think we're going to see lots of different variations of starbeck the defense does worry me um to be honest that's probably the thing i would start with if it was me that somehow try and make themselves just difficult to beat or difficult to score on but i don't know there's starting to be a few points adrift at the bottom i think one thing i will say is that i know the likes of sound of your muir and darlin uh done re- reasonably well this year better than we thought they would but they still might slide down the table. So it's, you know, Tromso is starting to slide now as well. So if they can get a few wins on the board, they've got every chance. He's, he's just got to, uh, if I had to gun to my head, I think they're probably going down at this point. I just feel like they're in a real funk at the minute, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he managed to turn things around either. It's a really difficult one. Starbeck has been hard to, so hard to predict for two or three years anyway. They're, they're anyone's guess. Yeah, we wish Eric Schoen all the best because I really enjoyed that episode, like you said, and uh, anyone hasn't listened to it, I, certain, I think it's in part two. Uh, we posted on Twitter the exact minute, but I think it starts around 40 minutes or so. So go back and listen to that because it's a really, he's a manager that we probably thought we would be hearing more about in the future and it's come to pass probably maybe quicker than we expected. But I certainly think he's a manager that we're going to hear more about in, in the future. So uh, best of luck to Eric Schoen there. And we will be keeping an eye on him, maybe even getting back on the show, who knows? Um, now he's in a head coach position in Elite Serie and elsewhere, Steve. Um, what other results have caught your eye? I wanted to ask you one quickly, put you on a bit of spot. <clears throat> I remember you said that Brand would get something against Christensen. Now, my boys Christensen proved you wrong, didn't they? Because they are now fourth in the table. Um, how are they getting on? Well, this is a typical uh, Brand performance this year. They actually they were the better team. They outplayed Christensen. Offensively, they looked excellent. Um, Bamba had a great game for Brand, but they somehow found ways to shoot themselves in the foot again. And the problem was defensively in that game, they made too many mistakes. Christian Sons um, managed to get themselves a win out of nowhere, really. And, um, you know, obviously it's encouraging that Brand went there toe to toe away from home against a side that's fourth in the league. But yeah, they've backed it up since with a one or draw at home to Tromso, which is not, that's not good enough. You know, they keep, they keep, crucial moments at both ends of the penalty areas they are making mistakes and bad things happen to bad teams jonathan and it just feels like brown are in this funk at the minute they've, they've played 13 matches a lot of the teams just above them have played you know, starbeck only played 10 me and 10 even Toronto only played 12. i think it's, it could get worse before it gets better i think they, at that stage they might have to pull the trigger on carlo inga brixa i'm not saying it's his fault they just might need some fresh blood um, as a manager just to bring a completely new direction. They've got to get some new transfers in. And I'm worried. I'm really worried for Bran. Um, as for Christiansen, you know, they've only won one of the last five now, but fourth place at the table. Can't knock that after 12 games, can you? They, um, they continue to overachieve really well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe it. I thought by I thought Brand would have won one of the last two games, Jonathan, but they continue to um, to be down there. I mean, can Christians keep this form up? Is it a bit of a misnomer? Is it a bit of an anomaly, or are they really the real deal? Because I know they've been traditionally lower down the table, haven't they? And I've grown to like them as a bit of an underdog, and they're starting to be well, one of the big boys at the moment, aren't they? No, they, they, they won't finish in the top four. They just the problem this season is they just they lack goals. Uh, they've only scored 11 goals in 12 games, which is a pretty poor... I mean, that's for a team in fourth place, that's pretty damn good, isn't it? Uh, how they've managed to be up there. The, defensively, they've been good this year. I'll give them credit. He's set them up nicely. But look, they lost uh, Armal Pellegrino, who scored nearly 30 goals for them last season. And it's a massive hole to fill, which they haven't been able to find uh, a replacement for yet. And who would, in fairness? So if they managed to stay in the top four, I'd be, I'd be shocked, to be honest with you. But they're relying on their defence... 
to propel them you know in the table who knows maybe they can find themselves a really good sharp striker in the uh, in the summer window but uh yeah was fourth place with this squad is is magnificent achievement still no doubt they'll defy me and probably finish top half at the very least again but um yeah if you look at the goal scoring logically they will have to move down the table a little bit if they if they only end up with 29 goals after 30 games they're not going to be in the top four are they yeah, and speaking of strikers, uh, I've got another question for you on on this one. Um, we've got a striker who might be on the move, haven't we? And it's you, your boy, Owe Omoanfo. I don't know if you want to give us an update mm. on that. I mean, just looking at the top goal scorer charts, he's got 13 goals this season. He's top scorer by quite some distance. Uh, expected goals, 10.13 as well. He leads that. The second best is Musha Bekenga with 6.16. So he's clearly way ahead on that front in terms of XG. What, what's been your analysis of Owe? Because you've always had a few question marks about him he's now slightly more mature isn't he a bit older um where's he off to and what's the the latest there is it a good move for him yeah he's he's uh he's gonna move to red star belgrade in january so that transfer is confirmed already he's gonna leave on a free yeah there have been question marks before about we um but i think he's answered them definitively this season funny enough the first match of the, of the year we beat christiansen 2-0 and he should have probably scored three or four goals that day and he looked it looked like sort of old school Oe, where this he had these random really bad misses a lot, and ever since then he's got the bit between his teeth. I think signing the young lad for Farner um, put a bit of pressure on his place, and he's responded magnificently. Become this top dog, he's scoring goals for fun, left, right, and centre, and he's loving life again. He's looking like this three-dimensional striker who um, you know helped the Moma win the not Moma, but he Molder win the league a couple of years ago. So. Absolutely, he's answered all critics, any critics that he had remaining this season. And, uh, you know, he's earned this move, Red Star Belgrade. I mean, it seems a strange place to go for me. Um, I mean, maybe there's a bit more money in that league. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I've no idea what the standards like there, to be honest, either. But I'm sure it's a good signing for them. Has he come on, though, in your opinion, you know, in, 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 a, in a word? Yeah, mentally, I think, is the big difference for, for Ohi. He's. Um, I've noticed his positions are a lot better this season. He's finding himself in spots to score goals. You know, how many times do you see sides where a good ball's put in or, you know, a rebound comes in, there's no one there, but he is there. He is there now. I think that's where he's really improved, the intelligence side of his game. I mean, he's always had it physically, really. And um, I think technically, really, this uh, he's probably always had it. He was certainly developed in the last few years with that. But I think now mentally... Seems more mature about his game, and uh, he's got a bit, you know, a bit between his teeth. He wants it a lot more, so that's been the big difference this season. That's um, unfair, correct, fair play to him. Off, off the ball movement's been huge. Best of luck to him, and yeah, we've got a big week coming up for uh, our teams in in Europe, which we'll be covering and we'll look at later in, in the next episodes. And um, before we let you go, Steve, um, we're coming up to the end of the show. But now that just a quick question on that: now that he's left, who would you say is the best striker in the league? So, who's the who's the man who's going to sort of carry the mantle from now? Because you know he he really is way ahead in the goal scoring charts. Who who now is that top dog for people fancy players, things like that? I think we're really lacking like a, a really elite strikers in in the elite series at the moment. Um, we've got some good ones. I think Vetan Barisha's obviously very good for Viking. Uh, Bakenga's really come on for odd. Similar similar story to uh, Oe. Really uh, looks like Bakenga may well leave the club at some stage, maybe even this summer window or the end of the season as well. So you know we're going to lose some of these players. Um, but yeah, I would probably go Barisha. I think just now. Uh, behind Oe, but is, um, is, that, is that um you mentioned there? There's not many strikers. Is that partly the reason why maybe games are a bit more unpredictable now? There's maybe a bit of a dearth of sort of clinical finishers. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I think you, yeah. There's the, the the over the goals. The amount of goals has gone down this year. There's not as many over two point five matches, for example. Um, you know. Uh, it goes in cycles sometimes, but yeah, I think we're probably in an era where there's maybe not so many really standout strikers, you know, at clubs, even like Botheim at Buda Glimp, he started the year unbelievably well. But as a number of people on Twitter pointed out, you know, I think, you know, if you were a striker in that Glimp team, you'd get a lot of chances. And I think Botheim's levels, now the service has dropped a bit, you know, he's not as effective. So, yeah, I think we're in a, we are at a stage, yeah, where across the league itself, 
we, we maybe do lack um maybe lack up and coming strikers as well. That that concerns me. We've always always been a face where it feels like young attacking striking talent as is always on the on the fringes of somewhere. But I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit maybe for a concerning period. I'm sure a few players will soon break through again uh, almost out of nowhere but um yeah we're just lacking a little bit in terms of like genuine like number nine genuine strikers at the minute of real high class yeah of course erling brout harland uh, famously was at Mulder. are we now leaving Mulder? so we'll see where what Mulder do in the market to maybe pick up another another striker and as you mentioned bikenga may be off as well so uh maybe we'll see some movement on that side of it to bring in a few more clinical sort of uh, goal getters i think that'll be it for this week's mm-hmm. show we're hitting uh, hitting our limit uh, we're going to be back, you know, now more regularly, aren't we, Stephen? We're, we're coming up to the 100th episode. As I said, we've got a few plans for that. So do stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast, of course. Grab us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, you can follow Meatman Soccer. Steve, where can we find you? You can follow me at Meatman Soccer on Twitter. There you go. Simple. <laughs> and you can follow me. You can find me, Jonathan Faduba, at uh, JFFutbol. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it and we're back in the swing of things. And we will be back, as I said, to review the Champions League action, which is this week. And uh, good luck to the teams who are involved. Good luck to Malmo. Good luck to uh, Buda Glimpton. We will be sort of looking at the Conference League next week as well. This new Championship tournament. Uh, who thought that there'd be another one? But we will be looking at that uh, in the weeks to come. So uh, that's about it from me, Steve, isn't it? And, uh, and yourself. Yeah, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks for listening, as always. Uh, any questions, always feel free to get in touch with us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks very much, everyone. Take it.